Psalm 2. Uh, we read part of Psalm 2 Sunday morning uh, for Sunday school class. Um, we're going to read the whole chapter tonight. And we're not focusing on end time events or anything like that, but I do think that there's a, a blessing in this tonight that is defi- definitely applicable to this in uh, regards to uh, thinking about the world and, and, and the nations and, and what they're trying to do. Um, but let's, let's read uh, the whole chapter. And the title of tonight's lesson is Trust in Him. Trust in Him. You know, we, we say that all the time, don't we? You just need to trust the Lord. And I think we throw it out there a lot. And um, it might, might even become a little cliche. I don't know. Uh, but it is something we must actively do. And I think we need to remind each other this, of that simple truth. Trust in Him. We have to, I think we need to remind ourselves of that even more right now in, in the time in which we live. But um, Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh and shall hold them in derision. Then He shall speak to them in His wrath and distress them in His deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the degree the Lord has said to me, You are my son, today have I begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. A little side note here. This is obviously a discussion between the father and the son, the father giving the son the inheritance of the nations and all the ends of the earth. Very interesting, isn't it? Because it almost sounds like what Satan offered Jesus in the temptation. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, he offered him all the kingdoms, etc. To, to me, it's just interesting because it's like Jesus knew to wait, you know. Satan likes to give a counterfeit or he likes to give us something before we're supposed to have it. Um, and, anyhow... Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry, and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. Father, help us tonight as we think about this psalm and this thought of trusting in you and I pray that you would help me to just be a blessing and an encouragement uh, to your people tonight and Lord I truly believe that when we trust in you we are blessed and we can have your joy Lord in the midst of when the nations rage and uh, so help us I pray to trust in you no matter what in Jesus name and amen. All right, I want to just really break this down um, into three uh, brief thoughts uh, tonight from this psalm. Now, as we've read this psalm, remember, first of all, that it is a psalm. 
It is, it is a song. If you didn't know what psalm meant, psalm is a song. It is a song. And, um, and there's truth in each of the psalms, of course, uh, that should move us to praise and to be thankful and to worship the Lord. Uh, the way psalms are written, sometimes reading them, you think, well, how are you going to sing that? And we may try to put a melody to it or, or whatever. Uh, but sometimes the words, sometimes the psalms themselves, they don't always sound all that happy sometimes. Um, but in, in them, they do reflect, though, whatever's going on at David at the moment. He wrote most of the psalms. Uh, but we see the heart of David uh, in the psalms. And a lot of times we only want to sing songs that are upbeat and encouraging, you know, da-da-da. But the psalms, when you read them, they're reflective of a child of God David, who's a man after God's own heart, who dealt with a lot of emotions that wouldn't necessarily be all happy and glorious to sing about. I mean, there are psalms that say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Prophetic of Jesus, but also it was David's experience at the moment of how he felt. The psalms express at, pers- at, at times David's doubt. <laughs> the psalms express sometimes David's doubt. Um, the Psalms sometimes expressed David's fear. Sometimes it, it expressed his struggle with sin. Sometimes it expressed his heartache, his disappointment. And we can list all kinds of different aspects of the Psalms and, and the emotions that David flows into these. And I'm thinking, I don't think we, we like songs like that. <laughs> but you know what? But they, those are the type that are more reflective of the struggle of the faith within the child of God. And so how many times are we really singing about things that are really reflective of where we're at right now in our worship of God? Um, I don't know if that's that's making sense to you or not. Does that make any sense? I hope so. Um, But here's the thing, here's the positive side of that, that no matter what David was going through, he still had a song. He still had a song. And so... Uh, no matter what we're going through, it shouldn't steal a song from our heart to the Lord, even if at times it isn't all joyful and gleeful and, 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 and great, you know, and, and, and emotions of, of, of super-duper happiness, you know. Um, not all songs are, are upbeat and joyful. They don't have to be that way. Uh, songs need to be worshipful. Worshipful. I mean, when I pray to the Lord, I, I'm hoping I'm worshiping the Lord and I'm communing with the Lord. It isn't always like, Woohoo! In my prayers, you know, sometimes I, I cry. Sometimes I'm pleading with God. Sometimes I get overcome with emotions. Sometimes I, I, I mean, my, my emotions are up and down all over the place. All kinds of I'm, I'm, I'm expressing my doubts. I'm expressing my fears. I'm crying out, God, help me. And we express those in our prayers. And I think that a lot of these psalms are prayers as well from David. I think, I think these were a lot of these were David's prayers that he, that were put into psalm. And I think that maybe we have missed something in that, um, in some of our songs. Just as some, something to think about, that, that let's not just be the type of church that just wants those kind of songs, or just, you know, you know what I'm saying, just upbeat and exciting all the time, you know, listen, we're, that's, not, that's not real life. It really, really isn't. We struggle, and we have fears, and we have doubts, and... and um, and so be willing to sing the songs that express those things. Anyhow, let's go on from that. Um, I haven't got to my first thought yet. 
So, so, so David in his life, he, he would look around and what was going on currently in his life and it would become a song to him. Now here's the three thoughts. First of all, the first main thought, the nations rage. The nations rage. He says, why do the nations rage? Um, I think the King James Version says heathen. Uh, so, so those who were not of the nation of Israel, you know, who did not serve the Lord, the true living God, uh, were, were, were the heathen. No doubt he's, he's speaking of the nations that do not know God. Uh, now we know that there's people in other nations other than Israel that were definitely Christians or, or that knew the Lord, we should say, um, that were not heathen. But the nations as a whole, the nations as a whole, uh, were not servants of the, of the true God. And then David looks around and said, why do they rage? Why, why are the nations all against uh, God? Why, why are all the nations against, and the kings of the earth, the people, the rulers, why are they all counseling together? Why are they doing this? Why do they rage? Why are they disturbed? Why are they so upset? What are they so mad about? What are they so mad about? Why, why do they have all these plots, these vain plots and, and all of this? Why, why do they go the direction they do? What's driving them? Why have the kings of the earth come together? What is it that they've got planned? What's their counsels? What has united them to take counsel together? What do they have in common that's brought them together to plot and to scheme? What well, the answer he gives it. He says in verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So so the nations come together against the Lord. They are against Him and against His anointed, meaning the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, when people have a common enemy, they'll come together. <laughs> I mean, we've, you probably maybe have experienced that or seen that. Um, let me tell you what, when, when people have the common enemy of Christ, of God, they'll come together against Him no matter what differences they may have and that's one of the things that's going to bring the world together in the end against god against the nation of israel is they're going to have a common enemy if you look you look at the nations like well how can this nation get along with this this nation and how's russia ever going to get along with this country or this country get along with this country they're going to come together over a common cause a common enemy and his name is god um in Acts chapter 4, we, we see this already. Keep, keep your place there in the psalm, but uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 20, start with verse 23. Notice something here. We, we see this principle. Verse 23, And being let go, this is Peter and John, they, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, he's, he's going to quote Psalm 2, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Verse 27, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatsoever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. 
So you see there, he mentions them being together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. And, and so he mentions that because he's saying they're, they're all coming together all against Christ. In Luke chapter 23, this is what he's referring to. Um, he's quoting from Psalm there. But, but he, he mentions about Pontius Pilate and Herod. In Luke 23 and verse 11... It says, Then Herod, with his men of war, treated him, Jesus, with contempt, and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other. Why? <laughs> well, Jesus brought them together. They came together because of Jesus. You tell you what, the world will come together. They will drop all their differences. They'll, they'll, they'll drop all the things that divide them. All, all their policies, their politics, their, their personalities, their laws, and, and whether no matter what type of government this one is or that one is, let me tell you what, they will all get rid of all of that if, if they have a common enemy. That common enemy is going to be Jesus. How's the whole world going to come together? Because it's going to come together underneath a reign of an what? Of an antichrist. Because the world's going to hate Jesus. Anyhow, I know that don't sound like very fun right now yet, or pleasant to think about, but it will here in a moment. And so they become friends. Jesus brought them together, you could say, but not for the same purpose that we are together tonight. So they have anger in Psalm 2. Um, they have rage, they're plotting, they have hatred. Uh, why? Because they're against His anointed. They're against Christ, the Messiah. Now, in verse 3, uh, it says, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. What, what, whose bonds? What cords? The bonds of the Lord, the cords of the Lord. In other words, the, the emphasis here is that God and His Messiah, the Lord and His Messiah, Christ, are hindering us. They're, they're binding us. The world sees Christians today, those who follow Jesus, as people who restrict them, who hold them back. They think we're the reason why the world isn't free, if you would. Uh, our hindrances, our salt, our light, our influence. Boy, the world would be better off if they didn't have the bonds of Christianity. And that's how the world sees it. They may think Christianity is hindering the world, but we know that Christianity is a blessing to the world. Uh, but it fights the the world fights and kills and persecutes uh, things that are Christian. And so the heathen rage, the nations rage. Why? Because it is anti-Christ and anti-Christian. Sees it as something binding, hindering, cores. They want release from it. They want away from it. A second thought there, we see the reigning Christ in verses 4 through 9. The reigning Christ in verse 4 through 9. We see His power and glory there. He says, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. I mean, uh, we mentioned this on Sunday school right before we dismissed. And, you know, the Lord sees all this planning, this plotting, and it's nothing to Him. It really is nothing to Him. And He's not worried. <laughs> uh, our God is in the heavens, and He does whatsoever He pleases. I don't know why we get so upset sometimes that the Word of God is being fulfilled. I mean, it's like, 
God wrote it, and it's happening, and then we're mad that it's happening. Well, I don't think we should embrace, you know, the evil of the world, but at the same time, we need to trust that God's got it obviously under control because it's, it's happening just the way he said it would happen. Psalm 115.3, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases, whatever he pleases. Um, nobody's hindering him. Nobody's stopping him from doing whatever it is he wants to do. Um, Isaiah 40 and verse 22 says this, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out uh, the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. I mean, mankind is nothing in the eyes of the Lord. He's in charge. Though man may plan and, and, and his plot may thicken and he might think he's in charge and, and no matter how many people come together, it's just like Babel. We mentioned Sunday morning. I mean, all the world coming together. I really, in idolatry against God, well, I believe the, the main issue was there. God and just a... a just had this brilliant idea and just said, I'm just going to confuse our languages. And that's all it took. And they all scattered. God's got this too. God's got this. God's on his throne. Um, his wrath is coming in verse 5. He, when he, then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure or, or sore displeasure. Uh, so the wrath is coming. The nations and heathen will experience his wrath if they don't uh, repent. Um, I get upset with the ungodliness, but I'm not as holy as God is. He's more upset than I am. <laughs> you know, he's more upset than you are. I mean, I, I hate the ungodliness. I, I hate the blasphemy of God. I hate, the, I, I hate what's being promoted in our culture or society. I, I hate the dying. I hate the wars. I hate all that. And all, all as a result of sin and so much ungodliness being promoted, I, we, we, we should not enjoy that whatsoever. But I assure you, the Lord, who is holy, 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 He's much more displeased. Verse 7 through 9 speaks there of the reign of Christ on earth, I think, in Jerusalem. I think this is prophetic. Uh, the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today have I begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the, end, the ends of the earth for your possession. I think this is prophetic of a father giving the son the inheritance of the nations at the time when Christ is going to rule and reign here on the earth. That's obviously prophetic of that. He will come and reign. And like that song we sing, soon and very soon, that's going to happen. And so upon this truth, this proclamation that God's going to come back. The heathen are going to be nothing. Jesus Christ is going to reign. And, and so now there's this, like, it's almost like an invitation or a call. God's going to do this. God's going to bring judgment. Jesus is going to reign. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Listen to what God's saying. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So it's an invitation to the very ones that, that are fighting against God, the nations and the rulers that are plotting against Him. God's in charge. God's going to come back. Judgment's coming. But it's really a very gracious, a very gracious invitation of, in this psalm. Listen, judges of the earth. Be instructed, O wise kings. Listen to this. And serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Instead of plotting against Him, instead of fighting against Him, Serve the Lord. Repent. 
Kiss the Son, lest He be angry. Fall before Him, love the Son, embrace the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. I mean, but a little. Just that little bit of wrath is all it would take. So it's a call to the leaders, the nations, to submit to Christ, to serve Him, to fear Him. And that, I think that's the message we need to be telling people today. That's the message we need to be telling people today because the coming of Christ is soon. Judgment's coming soon. Jesus is going to sit on His throne in Jerusalem. This is our message we need to be telling everyone today, leaders today, kings today, judges today, be wise, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest He be angry. That's our message. And then our, our third and final quick thought is this. After you see all of this, it's really simple. Third thought, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> I mean, um, at the end, we're told that, what? We're told, blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. Now, as we see this world, as we see the nations rage, we see the heathen plot, we see religions that despise Christ, His Word, His people, we're tempted to worry, to fret, to think what's going to happen, all of this. I know this is somewhat an echo, but I think we need reminded. I know I'll probably say something like this probably every few weeks, you know, I don't know. But I feel like I need to be reminded from time to time of this truth. I mean, we see all this and we think, well, what should we do if this happens and that happens? Listen, first, we don't put our trust, one, we don't put our trust in the power of men. We'd never do that. We're not looking for a political man of this earth to rule that can solve all the world's problems. Christians are looking for a man like that. Same kind of man that people are looking for that's going to embrace the Antichrist. Just think about that for a little bit. <laughs> people, people need to think about where they're thinking. Looking for a man to, to solve all the problems. Well, that's what the Antichrist is going to do. When he, when he shows up, he's going to be a political powerhouse that's going to really bring the world together. And so we've got to be careful about putting too much faith and confidence in any man of this earth. Okay, I'm looking for Jesus Christ to come back and make things straight, not some man here on this earth. Um, th those who are just looking for a man of this earth to, to solve all those problems are really just setting themselves up mentally to receive the Antichrist. Let us not put our confidence in, an, in any political power or any nation, but let us put our trust in Christ and Christ alone that is in charge and that shall one day rule and reign on this earth. Uh, and, and listen, we, we don't have to The world's going to go the way the world's going to do. We should preach the gospel and stand against wickedness and vote against all of those things. But we can't make people. We can't force people. Uh, we're not militant. But Jesus Christ is. His wrath will be kindled. He's going to make things right. He's going to ride in on the horse. He's going to take care of it. And we're just going to be there to witness it. He will do all that. And so don't worry. Be happy. Be blessed. Be joyful. We can still be happy. You, you can go read some more psalms after Psalm 2. There's some happy ones. Uh, blessed. We can still be happy with all the political unrest, with all the national threat, with all the gathering of the nations, with all the, 
the, the power, with all the great men of the world that are coming together to meet together to, to, to plan the world's uh, demise, if you would, uh, the world wars, all of that threat that's out there, um, be happy. Why? Because Jesus Christ is coming. He's got this. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Don't trust in America. Don't trust in a political leader. Don't trust in yourself. Don't follow your heart. Don't believe in yourself. Okay. Trust in Him. Trust in the Lord. And, and when we see these things, it, it, what, I'm not saying we should never be concerned or we shouldn't pray about things. We need to pray about things. We need to be concerned. But there, there's a level that it passes and that's emotionally and spiritually to where concern turns very quick into worry and fret and robs our joy. I just don't think it's supposed to do that. I think we can be concerned about our nation. We can be concerned about souls. We can preach the gospel. We can stand against sin. We can vote against sin. We can do all that that we should do. But I don't think we're supposed to be living a, a, a life of worry and fret. Be of good cheer, Jesus said. You're going to have tribulation in this world, he said. But then he says, but be of good cheer. <laughs> You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Then he tells us why. For I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. He has overcome. All right. Father, use this lesson tonight to be a blessing and encouragement to your people. In Jesus' name, amen.